welcome back to another episode of Have a Seat, Conversations with Women in the Workplace podcast. I am your host, Deborah. Listen, my friend, are you like me? You are a woman in the workplace who on occasion, maybe more than you'd like to admit, tend to struggle with your confidence and especially your confidence when you are asked to or you are given the opportunity to engage with others. And sometimes that puts you in the spotlight and it just does something to you. You know, you can be what going along all week long as a confident person and then you're asked to do some task or represent in some way and then where there goes our confidence right out the window. (laughs) It is a daily struggle for many, me included, and so that's why I'm so excited to bring you this week's guest, Miss Karen Laus. Karen is a communication expert and get this, confidence cultivator. She is on a mission to eradicate self-doubt in 10 million women by giving them simple strategies to ask for what they want in the boardroom and beyond. Karen guides women to transform self-doubt into self-confidence, resulting in more clients, job promotions, and negotiation wins. Karen has over 25 years experience serving as C-suite advisor and she has commanded such stages uh, on with other companies like Google, Starbucks, NASA. She leads a front line of best practices for creating results through confident communication. She has a proven model and is known for her actionable tips and ability to build trust quickly. During her own corporate career, she had experience leading a team of facilitators while traveling the globe, consulting industry leaders on the seemingly soft skills that impact the bottom line. And that is the truth. Karen's style is so warm, welcoming, and very matter of fact. And I love that she talked to me and I didn't feel like she was talking at me. She made it she made me really feel, and I'm sure she will make you feel too, that we're not doing anything wrong necessarily. She's just offering us another perspective, maybe a slight reframing of how we view ourselves and how we engage with others. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with confidence cultivator, Miss Karen Laus. Well, welcome everybody once again to Have a Seat, Conversations with Women in the Workplace podcast. I am your host, Deborah, and joining me today is Ms. Karen Laus, who is a communication expert and confidence cultivator. I love that, confidence cultivator. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much, Karen, for joining me today. I truly appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk about confidence and all kinds of things. Yes, yes, exactly. As Karen and I were talking off, off, off recording or off camera, whatever the proper term is, um, I mentioned, oh, I should have hit record because we were dropping some really golden nuggets, especially Miss Karen was. And um, we were talking about the subject of this show, and it comes straight from one of her podcast episodes, which we will get more into her podcast later. But um, it was about, which I thought was so relevant to today, um, about giving away our power as women in the workplace. Um, And one of the reasons why I kind of picked this topic and was sort of, you know, and Karen giving her a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge about it is because I kind of feel like since 2020, uh, many of us are trying to regain some of the traction that we lost or some of the momentum that we lost maybe when we were going into 2020 and then 2020 happened and so many things. So um, I asked Karen to kind of revisit that um, episode of her podcast because it speaks to giving away our power, what that means and things we can do to maybe harness that back. And one more thing for me, and then I'll stop and let Karen take over the mic. But um, when I was listening to her podcast episode, aside from shaking my head like a bobblehead the whole time and like yelling preach to no one in the house in particular, um, I envisioned, I'm a very visual learner. And so I envisioned uh, like myself going uphill, wearing a backpack that has a leak in it. And I'm not realizing that I'm letting out some valuable things that I'm going to need, but the backpack keeps getting heavier and I don't understand why. And it's because I'm giving away something that I shouldn't. And so that was just sort of my visualization. Um, So I'll stop now and let Karen go, but thank you, Karen, for taking us into this journey. Yes. And what a powerful visual. I never thought of that, nor have I heard of that related to this. That's really, really great stuff. Well, yes, we we do tend to give our power away in a lot of ways that we're not even aware. 
And for me to give a little snippet into my life to lead into the, the tips is I, as a kid, when I was six years old, my dad actually used to take me to flea markets. And he one time said, here's a few dollars. And he said, go have fun, but never pay full price. And I didn't know that negotiation was possible. And as a young girl, it was so exhilarating. And that's really when I say my love for the deal was born of confident communication. And he used to teach me over and over again that the squeaky wheel gets the grease and you won't you won't get unless you ask. So I have been really good at asking for most of my career, really good at negotiating and doing at least it seems that I've been successful. You know, you never you never know like, well, did other people get more than me? <laughs> Is it true? Did that that same thing happen to 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 me that's happened to what you hear all the time about men make women making like 84 cents on the dollar compared to men? And that's a whole other topic. But I have felt very confident that I've gotten what I've wanted. Now, on the flip side, what's important, I want everybody to know that there's this dichotomy going on. And I think what I've learned more and more that I do the work that I do, that there's a lot of women that can relate to this, where we have this strong confidence in the value we provide from a job perspective or the work that we do. And yet, when it comes to ourselves and people loving us or being interested in us, or frankly, it comes from our own self there. If we feel, if we don't feel that we're valuable or worthy, then it's hard to really step into our full power. And so I say that because in my household growing up, my parents were very traditional and I am the last of nine kids. And so my mom was a housewife and what was modeled to me in the home is that I didn't have a voice, that I needed to look to a man to tell me what to do or an authority figure. And usually they were one and the same. So fast forward to my my defining moment, I call it. And I wasn't a young chicken. I was in my early 40s on a leadership team in the corporate world. And, and keep in mind, I was traveling all over the world, speaking on some of the world's most coveted stages like Google and Facebook and NASA. And yet I found myself in this boardroom, totally tongue tied. I, I, I could not get the words out and I was in front of my peers, but they were the ones sometimes that I was the most intimidated by. And I often didn't feel like I should speak up. And in this particular case, I had this internal conflict because my boss had mentioned something about, yeah, presenting me presenting on something. It wasn't super defined. And anyway, in that moment, it was so bad that she had to shut down the meeting. And then she pulled me aside in her office later. And she said, this was such a good example, Karen, where you didn't trust your gut. You could have just said, you know, I don't remember why we were even talking about this in the first place. Let's table this and talk about it another time. And that was so embarrassing, Deborah. I'm seriously, I was so embarrassed. And I thought, I can't believe that I am so stuck. Why, why am I so worried about what my peers think of me? And in particular, my boss, she was my greatest cheerleader, but I also felt intimidated by her. And a lot of times when I brought forth new ideas, they would be dismissed. And yet there were other times when she would love them. So of course, your mind always goes to the thing that when you don't feel accepted or you don't feel like people want to hear what you have to say, then that's usually the prominent thing that keeps us quiet. So I wanted to bring that up to give context first so people know a little bit about my story that it's taken me a lot of years, a lot of personal growth work, a lot of therapy to figure out what it was that really prevented me from holding back because I did hold back from being my true self for a long time in certain environments. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a yeah. story. And, and the, I, who can relate to that? I mean, you know, especially from a boss or a mentor, I, I mean, just feeling you in that moment in the meeting when she had to cut it short and then for your boss to say that to you and just, it's a learning moment, but it's, it, uh, that's a tough one. It's a, it's a good one, but it's tough. 
to put yeah in. it was it was so awful especially because i'm so articulate when i'm or articulate yeah. <laughs> articulate <laughs> most of the time yeah. and the fact that i was in such in front of such high profile clients mm. and it was i think i hope that people can relate to this that it's a lot of times we can have these compartmentalized situations where we can't figure out what it is, but why is it in that moment? I, you know, I have a hard time being confident or for a lot of people, it's a public speaking situation, which is what I've been doing for a living for almost 30 years now. And so that is a very comfortable place for me to be. But when it comes to this, these situations, and I do have found that a lot of women feel this way that, well, I don't want to rock the boat. Or if I say that it might be unpopular and then I might be either rejected or I might not be accepted. And those are pretty much the same things. And all of these other reasons are, oh, I don't want to be judged or I don't want to be seen as the one that's always, you know, that whole too much thing. All these things that we think that hold us back from expressing the truest version of ourselves. And my wish is that all women and really all people, but particularly women would feel free. And I feel like I was in a prison of my own making for far too long. And I love that you say to feel free, feel free to what? Yeah. Feel free mm -hmm. to express your true self, to be the real you. you know, I know a lot of your audience is very interested in hearing authentic conversations, talking about confidence. And that is something that I think we're all used to potentially putting on that masquerade mask or whatever you want to call it, putting on your happy face, even if you're not. And I definitely understand that discernment is important, but when we are hiding ourselves, and I, I think that everybody is hiding something, frankly, but when we are holding back from being the truest version of ourselves, I feel like that's when, well, we don't have the most fulfillment personally, but we're also really, what is the word? We're holding other people back from getting our brilliance, really. And I feel like I was so personally in that work environment, in that particular company, but it was before that too, but in that particular company, I had so much freedom to speak up and I was in a leadership role. So there was a lot of freedom, but then I also felt like I was so controlled, so calculating with what I said. And well, if I, I better say it the right way, you know, whatever the right way is and come to find out through a lot of therapy, like I said before, I realized that my boss was really a manifestation of my dad walking around. So it's, it's just, it's very interesting when you start making these connections and you go, oh, that makes so much sense now. That's why. And so when we can get to the root of these problems, we can definitely have a lot more enlightenment to be able to move forward. And just so everybody's clear, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about my, my dad living in my boss's body <laughs> <laughs> or some reincarnation thing with my dad in my boss's body, but really more of these patterns that continue. And, you know, I'm, I know this is a little off topic, but it's related. I'm thinking about one of my first jobs as a manager. Mm. And I hired a coach because I had a difficult employee who would bark orders at me all the time. And I was technically his boss. And I remember this coach gave me a really great challenge. And she said, well, and we'll just call him Mike. She said, well, you can either deal with Mike now or you're going to have multiple mics in your life until you decide you're ready to deal with this. Mm. So do you want to do it now or do you want to do it later? <laughs> wow. And it was such a good challenge because I thought, well, I want to do it now. I got to get this over with. <laughs> and confronting it was the best thing that I could have ever done. And of course, there was a lot of understanding that was bridged between us and also, I had to contend with my own issues because once again, he reminded me of my dad. So I know this podcast is not about my father. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we, should we jump into these tips 
around ways women give away their power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, but I I have a couple of takeaways because what you said was really okay, profound. Please. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's just address the dad issue. Um not your dad specifically, but I think that's a wonderful example of if we take a close look at our lives, either with the help of somebody with some initials after their last name or on our own, or maybe with a coach that for some, there may be a catalyst or a person or a moment in our past that is sort of triggering or that really sort of like ignited these sort of um, learned behaviors that aren't too mm-hmm. popular for us, right? That we don't, that we were trying to unlearn and correct for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, so that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. You yeah, know, so I, I like the way you say that the learned behaviors, mm-hmm. because as kids, you know, we don't know anything different of how we grow up in the very early stages. So we think it's normal, even if, I mean, what's normal anyway, right. but I, I do think that's a really good call out because it also, I hope, gives people comfort to know to have grace for yourself mm-hmm. that a lot of these patterns were not your fault they were based on what happened to you as a kid i think where things the challenge becomes as an adult if we choose to have and continue to utilize those same habits and they're not working for us i think the bigger question is what is serving you and as a as especially as somebody who's done a lot of group group and individual personal growth work, being able to recognize when it's something where you can't blame your past anymore. You have to say, okay, I recognize that happened. Now I'm an adult and I'm responsible to change it if I want to. And remembering that we all have the power of self-agency because that that made me think about your question earlier, Deborah, which was so great about, well, freedom to do what? And I'd say too, freedom of choice mm. is a huge thing to remember that we all have. And we are choosing to work at that same job with that difficult boss, or we are choosing to work ourselves to death from 6 a.m. till midnight and say that we're busy. Mm. And we, we're always making these choices. And I, I have to remind myself sometimes too, when I'm frustrated or a situation, I'm feeling like maybe my boundaries are being pushed on by other people to remember, honey, like saying to myself, honey, you, you, everything in your life is related to choices that you have made. And so we, we've got to turn that around to ourselves to say, what do I need to own in this? And what is it then that I can do to move forward? Gosh, that is great. That right there is fantastic. I actually wrote that down. Responsible for our own change, our self-agency, freedom freedom to make our own choices. Because I, I absolutely agree with you that at some point, it is no longer that blank, whatever that is for you in your past. You are an adult. You need to be responsible. And, and really, and these are just recognize that you are now choosing to behave or to pivot or turn or do whatever that is for you. Um, that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. But it's hard to do on your own. And so I'm, a, I'm also I know. an advocate of therapy as well. I, I totally hear you on that. That's a good advice. Absolutely. And thank you for letting us in on your own journey with that. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. Deborah, because you had said you had two insights from what I had said earlier. Yes. <laughs> two takeaways. Yes. Oh, yes. I do. I had to write it down because I would forget. Um, <laughs> that's how engaging this is. Okay. So it kind of takes us back to that example you showed us in the moment when uh, your boss, you know, sort of reprimanded you a little bit or, you know, shook her finger a little bit. Okay. So many things went through my mind there. In terms of being our, our, our authentic self, would an example of being authentic in that moment, because many of us are faced with that side of like in the moment kind of, oh, I blew it or, oh my gosh, somebody's telling, you know, if we would have done what you in hindsight thought about doing said simply, you know what? I kind of forgot what we were doing here, guys. Let's like take a beat and regroup. Can you give me, you know, whatever that I don't want to, you know, I'm probably mis- misrepresenting it, but no, no, is that an example of what being our authentic self is, is being that transparent sometimes? I mean, that was just an example, so I'm not trying to make a blanket statement, but sometimes owning and recognizing and putting our vulnerability out on a coat hanger and saying, hey, 
I sort of lost track of where we are. Can we kind of regroup and get back to whatever that is? Like, I mean, I'm again, the situations are different, but was that an example of being, if, would that have been an example of you being authentic? Definitely. Okay. I would have said, now, if I could have a whole do-over of that, and first, I also want to clarify, my boss said that in the most supportive, loving way. When when she brought me into her office, she, she really said this was a great example of what, because she had noticed a pattern in, in me, but this one was so, it was so much stronger than any other time, and that's why it was also so memorable for me, because I was... I'd never felt so tongue-tied in a meeting before. And I mean, <laughs> like I would start to talk in one direction and then uh, and my peers in the room were wonderful, but they were trying to save me. They said, well, what if we tried this? Or well, Karen, do you think if we did it this way? <laughs> <laughs> it was again, embarrassing. But what I would have done differently. So yes, first of all, of course, I always tell people co common sense overrides every one of the tips that I might offer. But knowing in the, because we all have to have good judgment or discernment in situations for what's really appropriate in that situation that happens. But in that exact scenario, what I would have done differently is asked her questions months before that. I would have said, hey, and the truth is I didn't agree with what she had suggested. I wish that I had said, hey, this this seems like it isn't the best use of everybody's time in the room. Like these are, it was related to my staff. And I I wish I had said something more of, here's, here's another way that we could go after that same result that you're looking for. What if I did this instead? So leaning in and questioning that would have been the first thing I would have done is trusting my gut in the first place of this doesn't feel right to me. This, this, it's not just feel, it doesn't, it doesn't make business sense what we're doing. And I think she was so busy. It was just, oh, let's, let's, oh, let's just do this at the next meeting. How does that sound? And then, or not the next meeting, because it took, I remember it was a couple of months that we revisited it. And then even the night before, I remember prepping and sending everybody stuff in advance and thinking, this still doesn't make any sense to me. So I, that's why I also wasn't coherent. So the first step, as far as the takeaway to really focus on how can you be authentic? How can you trust your gut more is to recognize it in the moment. Don't wait until it's too late because I didn't even wait till it was too late. She still had to step in and, and say something. I, I was so beyond the consciousness at that time of being able to say something because I felt like I had to since she was my boss. So I was still in that, that mindset. And so anyway, so say something in advance, trust your gut in advance and say something. Or if I were to go back in that actual moment, I, in hindsight, would have said something like, Hey, like you said, Deborah, like, you know, I'm realizing as why I'm having such a hard time getting the words out right now, everybody is because this doesn't seem like the best uh, plan for this, what we're trying to do here. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, thank you for coming. <laughs> My apologies for wasting your time. You know, I don't know. That's a strong thing to say. That might not be necessary, but <laughs> to say, Hey, I would like to let's, let's, I'm going to go back, talk with the boss about it and then come back together. So that's probably what I would have done differently. And that would have felt more true to you. Yes, okay. for sure. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's that it's the, or not, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you might not know the acknowledgement for me of um, being able to say out loud and, and the freedom comes in acknowledging that I might like in that moment, I might not have realized the impact of what this meeting was, you know, what people thought it was supposed to be, what I thought it was. I'd say that in that moment, the acknowledgement was more important than anything else. And even I'm talking also about self-acknowledgement, being able to have the vulnerability, but combined with the confidence to say, hey, this might not have been the best approach. Let's, before we go any further here, let's, let's table it. And I feel like that would have been a really confident and authentic thing to say. So the acknowledgement of my own not 
not knowing in advance, but saying it with grace and then the acknowledgement of to everybody else like that this might not have been the best choice. I love that. And I know I kind of put you a little bit on the hot seat for that, for <laughs> those questions, but oh, that, oh, <laughs> you handled it beautifully. You answered them beautifully. And, and because that story was very, I think it was so relatable for so many of us in that moment, because we, let's face it, as women, we hear all this, you know, pull up your big girl pants, you know, you're a boss bitch and all this stuff. You know what I mean? But in those mm-hmm. moments, sometimes we, we forget that all that goes out the window and all we're focusing yeah. in on is what, and to be kind of, you know, eh, if it was a man who stood up there and said those words like, Hey, who was vulnerable, who showed vulnerability and confidence at the same time. Oh my God. He'd be the best thing since sliced bread. He's such a great leader. <laughs> he's so authentic. He's so honest. He's real with us. And I think with a woman, it's like, we can't, I can't, I, like you said, I had, I was trying to be perfect, trying to get the perfect phrasing. Why, why do we do that to ourselves? You know, I mean, I, 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 I do it too. I'm not wagging my finger, believe me. But anyway, so that was <laughs> just my takeaway from your awesome stories. That's how relatable it is. It's like, oh, it just, that could be its own show right there. That's that whole story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That moment when my boss had to shut down a meeting. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Look at all that rolls out of that, you know, like, oh, <laughs> I just gave you a podcast episode, Karen. Thank you. And you're welcome. That's fantastic. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I didn't mean to deviate so far off, but you were just really helping uh, us, really helping me too with, with some of those questions we have. You know, we hear experts like yourself tell us this, but it's it's rare that we actually kind of go a, another layer down and you actually brought mm-hmm. us into an example that you actually did. And so that was where I was coming from just out of pure curiosity. Like, well, how did you handle that? Because that happens to us like once a week. Like, how did you do that? How do you process your way through that? So thank you. So Yes. No, I wanted, I want these things to be practical and actionable of what we can do differently too. Yes, absolutely. So speaking of that, would you like to now share your tips? I know you hinted at it and I'm sure some sure. listeners are like chomping at the bit. Where's the tips? Where's the tips? So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, I will start with one of my favorites that is almost the easiest to change. Although I would say it's maybe it's not easy, but it might be the simplest and most straightforward. Mm. And that is that we often use minimizing language and we can eliminate that or say different things to make ourselves come across as more credible and more powerful. So by the way, a little plug for this and also to help everybody else that if you want to get nine words to avoid and what to say instead, you can go to my website at karenlaus.com to get more of these. But I will focus on two that I find really work well because I love to use the example in a sentence. For example, if I were to say to you, Deborah, I just have a little tip for you. That word, the two words, just and little, minimize what I'm about to say. Versus, Deborah, I have a tip for you. Notice how I eliminate just and little. I sound more confident, period, by not using them. And it's more succinct in the first place. Oh my God. I feel so called out right now. Ah, oh my God. I say that all the time. Wow. Okay. Well, this is also, first of all, you're not alone. <laughs> and I'm, I continually work on these things too, because they slip out a lot. Now, two things. One, make sure everybody listening, check your emails on this. This is the easiest place to catch them because we can edit ourselves. Notice, are you saying, I just wanted to update you on this project versus I wanted to update you on this project. You don't need just. Just is in the dictionary because it's related to something that recently happened. I just saw Deborah across the street or I just hung up the phone with so-and-so. That's when it would be appropriate to use. So it's not like you eliminate it completely. You eliminate it when it's not necessary. And a couple of words that I have found that can be a substitute when you feel like I, this here's me going, I just have to find something. (laughs) (laughs) You could say simply or only, either one works. So if 
what did I, what was I writing the other day? I was writing something and I thought I really wanted to say just, I just don't, you could just, if you just did this thing, I replaced it in that case with simply, if you simply listen, as opposed to if you listen, it, it, there's something about that emphasis, that emphatic word that makes it a little more interesting from a language perspective. So those are two words to start noticing. Could I replace this or do I need to eliminate it completely? Brilliant. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I feel like my keyboard is mocking me. He's like, you know, you type that word like five million times a day. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. It does happen a lot. Uh, Another one that I would say happens a lot is the word but and instead of and or putting a period in between your sentences. This is another one I I always tell people some of and are, are you an improver at all, Deborah, or familiar with the law of improv? Uh very little, like five percent okay. familiar. Yeah. Okay. So I, this is good to clarify for everybody. I never want to make assumptions either, but for anybody listening, the the well, the law of improv is different from what I'm going to say, but it's basically <laughs> saying yes is the number one rule of improv, that when you're with your partner and you're improving, you say yes to whatever they say, and that's what makes it fun and interesting, and it's about not shutting down ideas. So when you think about this, though, from a corporate perspective or you know whatever role anybody's in that's listening to this at work, that when you say, but, it like if I were to say to you, Deborah... Um, I'm so excited about the work that you did on the project. It was so amazing, but there was this one thing that didn't land with the boss. I mean, how does that make you feel? It, everything you said prior to that just doesn't matter. I'm only yeah, focusing exactly. on what after the but. Yeah, right. And we're all our own worst critics in the first place, so we're naturally inclined and wired to look at the negative anyway. So uh, a way to circumvent that is to avoid but altogether, to finish that sentence and start the other one, or saying and instead. But for those people that are sophisticated yes anders, I would call them instead of yes butters, yes anders, sometimes like I worked in an environment where we always knew the but was coming, but disguised as an and because of his tone. He would say, oh, these are all great ideas. And here's the budget that we have. And you could tell that he was basically weaponizing the and (laughs) to just act like he was saying, but, and I don't want to go off too much on a tangent here. And so keeping in mind that the, and the point of saying yes, and is to move an idea forward rather than shutting it down. So you also have to use your common sense around this, but be careful about situations. Again, there's going to be times like just a moment ago, I used the word, but there are going to be times when it is appropriate. And then there's going to be times when, wow, I actually could insert and in here. And doesn't that sound so much more collaborative and engaging to others and open-minded? And then the other thing that I've trained myself to do, again, this is an email when I'm inclined to say, use the word, but I will stop myself and say, oh, I could end the sentence, put a period there, take out the butt and start a new sentence. And that works really nicely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I know we're getting almost analytical into grammar here now, <laughs> or a little really a lot into words. The point is, think about saying and instead of but sometimes when you're tempted, because just like the example a moment ago, it can feel like, oh, you negated everything prior. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not only as the receiver of that information, but also as the sender, if I'm going to hit a period and then start a new sentence, that's almost like as somebody who, as the the composer, now that puts me in a new frame, I'm starting a new sentence. That's like, you know, now I'm coming at it. I'm not going, but you blew it. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. new sentence. I see some areas where we might be, you know, so kind of as the composer, I could see where that would be beneficial to you as well. Yes, absolutely. And if we're talking about giving someone feedback, for example, there, I would also say front load it with, hey, there's two things I want to talk to you about. One is Mm. 
fabulous. One is not so great with how things are going. So which do you want to hear first? Like to not hide hide from it either or try to disguise it in the sandwich thing of say a positive, then a negative, then a positive. Maybe they won't even hear the negative. And the... Right. So the other one that I find that is very powerful because I see it a lot, I see it in men too, but particularly for women is letting other people define us or other situations. Mm. And my story that really brought this to light was a number of years ago when I was doing a training, I was a corporate trainer at the time. And I remember there was a point in the training where one person could give feedback to another and we had feedback cards. So they would write their name on it. And well, I'm going to call her Christy to save the innocent. And at this point, I don't even think I remember her real name, but the one said to the other that was writing about to write her name down, Christy's name down. She said to Christy, Oh, how do you spell it with a C or a K? And Christy said, Oh, whatever you want. It, it doesn't really matter. And I'm telling you, Deborah, I turned around so fast. I was in the middle of doing something because it was in between something. And I said, wait a second, that's your name. First of all, you're letting other people define you when you say it doesn't matter. That's like saying, I don't matter. And we had a really good sidebar discussion about this. And I also told her or talked about this with the group that it's also awkward on the other side, because let's say if I said to you, Deborah, you know, how do you spell your name? Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, then I'm sitting there going, is it D-E-B-R-A? Is it D-E-B-R-O-A? You know, the, uh, whatever, you know, all the different spellings that one could have to any name. And then you feel like, well, I want to be honoring to you. I don't, I don't want to just call you whatever. And it creates this confusion and that confusion is very important to remember that as a person, when we're confusing around other people, then that lack of clarity takes away trust. So it's amazing how all of these things can connect. And that's why I recommend, now that's, that's obviously one example, but the general feeling of women often thinking, well, I don't want to bother this person. I'll, we'll just do whatever she wants to do. Or, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I can be last on the list or I don't need a seat. I can stand here in the back. All of these things can, what do you call it? Like overflow to other areas of our lives. And the, our name is the one thing that is a representation of who we are. So I always recommend to people to tell people how you want it pronounced or tell them how you want it spelled. And we also got into another part of the discussion that I found fascinating because I wouldn't have thought about this because I was so hell-bent on the other. <laughs> Don't let her define you. <laughs> that another woman said, well, my name is so complicated. I I tell people a couple of times, but if they can't pronounce it right, I just say, okay, that's that's fine. And I can understand then if it becomes more challenging and distracting, you don't want to also be a difficult person or come across as a difficult person if you're constantly correcting people about your name. So it's it's interesting, though, all these things. Of, of but, but the bottom line to me is don't immediately say, oh, it doesn't matter, however you want to spell it or however you want to pronounce it. doesn't matter. Well, it does. You're, and it's even like I think about people in my trainings where they come in, Mike, their name tank says Michael or David, and then they introduce themselves as Mike, or maybe they say Michael, and I say, well, do you want to be called Mike? Well, whatever. And then the whole day, I'm seriously wondering, every time I say their name, do they want me to call them Michael, or do they want me to call them Mike? <laughs> <laughs> so it would eliminate a lot of confusion if you... <laughs> you want to be called. <laughs> exactly. And I love that you said lack of clarity could equal distrust. That's yeah. huge. The third, oh my goodness. Oh yes. Promoting yourself. I was thinking, which one, which one? <laughs> the, the hesitancy to promote mm. ourselves. I do see this a lot. And for example, if you look at this very specific to a job or a job posting, a lot of women feel like they have to have 10 out of 10 requirements to be able to go for that job. And then where, whereas a man might have 
six might be enough. But related to that is very much this idea that I will come across as arrogant or braggy if I say I can do this or these are my accomplishments. And I like to invite people to think about promoting yourself as a, in, as a mindset shift is really from, from thinking that, oh, I'm going to be arrogant or braggy to I'm simply letting the world know that I exist. It's a visibility thing. I'm letting them know, yeah, here's what I am. Here's what I have to offer. I find that owning your strengths is as important or, or as owning your weaknesses, basically both. Like I'm really clear to be able to say to people, here's what I'm really good at. And this is where I could help you. And I'm confident here's where it's fuzzy. And that's why, given that I think it's even fuzzy in my brain that I'd rather refer you to a colleague of mine. So that's to me, it's all about owning who you are and being able to say, this is what I do. This is who I serve. And that's another way to think about it is to ask yourself, how does what I do serve the world or solve a problem that exists in the world? Because when you come to the table as a problem solver or somebody that's serving the world in a capacity that only you can or do, then that creates a whole different feel to the conversation. Well, listeners, if you have loved this conversation as much as I have, I mean, honestly, I could just sit here and flip question after question, Ms. Karen, um, but there you offer, you have so much more to offer in your own podcast, and you are author, also an author. So would you like to tell us a little bit about your book and podcast? Sure. Well, I like to say that I wrote a book that I would read because I am not a big reader. Mm. Coincidentally, I'm not a big podcast listener, which is terrible. <laughs> Here I am saying, okay, listen to my podcast, read my book. But the book is called Trust Your Own Voice. And it's really a guidebook for women on how to grow their influence through mm. confident communication. Mm. And when I, what I mean by saying I would, I would read, a, I would, I wrote a book that I would read is that it's basically every chapter is self-contained on confident communication tips. So if you want something for specifically for executive presence, how to hold your body physically during any situation, or if you want tips on voice or how to have a difficult conversation, pretty much anything is in there that will help you. And so many people have said, oh my gosh, I just read one chapter and I feel like I can immediately apply these things. So I'm known for my practical tips and, and simple strategies. So that's the book. And then same thing with the podcast around strategies. It's all about strategies to speak up and ask for what you want, mostly in the workplace, but of course it all carries over. So any woman in business, and I typically work with people over 40, doesn't matter that you're, if you're not, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's typically my audience. And so my podcast is called Ignite Your Confidence. I love it. I love it. And you have some fascinating guests on there too. So absolutely check Thank that you. out. Yes. And are you primarily on YouTube or are you listed another in all the podcast directories? I'm in all the, all the podcast directories. 99% of my listeners listen, literally listen on Apple iTunes. But I do have some listeners occasionally on YouTube. I'm on Spotify and anywhere you find your podcast. But it is a video and audio podcast as well. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the other thing that I started in January that's going really well on Instagram is every Tuesday night for about 15 minutes at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, I have the Confidence Corner, which is a show that people can it's an IG live essentially, and it's all about interviewing guests about their confidence journey. And I also do some solos as well. Excellent. I will have a link to that in the show notes as well. And remind us where we can find your book. Are you on Kindle? Is it available paperback? It is paperback and Kindle. So you can you can, for the, at the Kindle app, I like to remind people, you don't, you don't have to have a Kindle to mm. get it, but if you get the Kindle app, you can get that or it is on paperback. So I would recommend Amazon is probably the best place to get it. And that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. You, so you can go to my website and grab it, or you can go straight to Amazon and type in trust your own voice by Karen Laus. 
I love it. I love it. I will link to that as well. You know, there is no excuse for us not to find our confidence through communication with all of these wonderful resources that Miss <laughs> Karen has given us, especially those nine words. I saw that on your website and that is so intriguing. Absolutely. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was such a fantastic conversation. Ah, I could just talk all <laughs> evening. Oh my so gosh. Fun. Thank so you for fun. having me. Absolutely. And I'm so glad we were able to promote your podcast, your book, your website, your Instagram live. So exciting. Again, I will reference all of that in the show notes. So please visit the show notes if you want more of Karen. And how could you not? Oh, well, Miss Karen, before I let you hop off the mic and get back to your life, um, can I ask you one silly quick bonus question? Please. I'm ready. All righty. Okay. So we've done a lot of talking about confidence in this conversation. And um, I heard through the grapevine that you, what I'm about to say is to me, the epitome of confidence. Miss Karen, you took a solo trip to Costa Rica, emphasis solo, right? And you learned how to surf while you were there. So amazing. I mean, slow clap all around. That is so, (laughs) wow. Wow. Girlfriend doing it for herself. Solo trip. Love it. So my question to you, do you still surf regularly? And can we find you out there catching a wave every now and then? (laughs) Oh, how I would love to say yes to that question. No, I had a great time there. And I, I will say it was the most amazing experience. But I did not, and this is where I do have to say, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I, I didn't continue it. It is so much warmer in Costa Rica than in the San Francisco area. <laughs> For sure. I, I'm, not a, I'm not about to go put on a wetsuit and start surfing uh, here. But I had an amazing time. And, and one of the things that really struck me about that trip, mm. well, two things. One is that. I hadn't learned a physical activity in years that required, oh yeah, like the mind and the body working together. And it was so exhilarating. And then the other thing that was very memorable to me is after the first day, one of the instructors said, oh my gosh, you got up on your first try. And he meant standing up on the board in the water. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, it never occurred to me that I wouldn't. (gasps) And it's funny. That actually was very encouraging to me from a confidence perspective, because Mm -hmm. if I had listened to the other people, I mean, I I just didn't, I wasn't in the conversations with the other people that were there about, and also saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you got up. That was so great. And other people didn't. And if I had been listening to them in advance, I might have brought my confidence might have been brought down by their fears or anxieties of, I don't know that I'm going to get to stand up for What if I don't? Blah, blah, blah. I really, <laughs> I just showed up and said, okay, great. <laughs> they did a little prep in advance on the beach and then it was, here's your board, go for it. So I did. Here's your board, go for it. I mean, (laughs) let's put that on a mug. I mean, that is, that's sometimes, that's just what we need to hear. Just here's your board and go for it. Just, that is so empowering on so many levels. Hey, can I make one other plug? Please. This is actually for the benefit of anybody that works in a company. Mm. My social initiative is called 10 and 10, and I'm on a mission to eradicate self-doubt in 10 million women in the next 10 years. And companies can get involved by being an ambassador in three different ways. So if anybody has connections to decision makers in corporations or organizations that would like to talk with me because you can get free resources, as there is, there are two tiers that are an, a paid investment, but there is also a tier that has no cost and your company will get all of these great resources to advance women in the companies where you work. So I would love to be introduced to anybody. That is amazing. You know, there's a lot of that going on right now. A lot of equity talk, uh, cultural diversity talk, diversity, you know, DE&I work going on. Excellent. Excellent. And remind us again what 10 in 10 stands for. Yep. Eradicating self-doubt in 10 million women in the next 10 years. Wow. 
Okay. And so it's a great resource, especially if companies are wondering, what do we do about this? We know we have to do more. This is a great way if you aligning with me as a partner to be an ambassador will look really good for your company. It will also, of course, have you'll have greater, you'll make more money, frankly, as a company, because as you know, Deborah, the more women we have, when we have more equity, we have more women in leadership roles, we make more money, we also have more fulfillment, better retention, greater customer satisfaction rates. There's so many positive benefits to it. So if so, you're looking as a company to, yeah, to elevate women and be a part of the movement of advancing women, this could be a way to do it. What a wonderful way to do it. That is excellent. And they can, again, visit your website to learn more about this opportunity. Yes. Okay. yes. Yep. On my website, there's a navigation bar that says 10 and 10, or you can also, I'm also welcome if anybody wants to email me. My email is Karen at KarenLaus.com. Well, thank you, Miss Karen. This has honestly been such a joy. I have so enjoyed this. This was so great. Thank you. Likewise. And that wraps up my amazing conversation with Miss Karen Laus. Didn't I tell you this was going to be a game changer? I, if I didn't say it, I mean it now. It was such an engaging and game-changing conversation. So much knowledge about the way we conduct ourselves, the little micro things we can do that will make a huge impact and a huge difference in how we view ourselves and how we interact with others. And especially, I really loved that whole, how you come across in written form as well. The certain word usages, you know, the words that we use, this, uh, just all of it. Anyway, such, such an engaging conversation. If you want to know more, I highly encourage you to please check out the show notes for the multitude of ways that you can connect with Karen and learn more about her initiatives, her upcoming projects, um, how to connect with her, how to watch her Instagram live that she mentioned. There's just so many ways. There is no excuse for us not to up our confidence game. And so please, and I invite you to check out the show notes to all that Karen has to offer. As you know, I like to end the show with a quote, and this week's quote is brought to us by none other than Miss Karen Laus herself, and it goes like this. As women, we have this strong confidence from a job perspective, and yet when it comes to ourselves, we if we don't feel we're valuable or worthy, then it's hard to step into our own power. I love that. Our own power. Yes. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. You are powerful. You have it in you. And if you need to rewind and hit this and listen to this episode again, please do so because Karen absolutely is a champion for us thinking that way. And that's exactly what we need right now in the workplace for women more than ever. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you once again for listening. And thank you once again to my wonderful guest, Miss Karen Laus. And as always, 